Hi there, my name's Alexia Allen. I live and work on Hawthorne Farm in Woodenville, Washington. I'm on land traditionally tended by the Snoqualmie tribe and respect their elders and traditions of past, present, and future. Welcome to stories of our serious and lighthearted homestead where we grow nearly all the food we eat and have a great time in the process. I used to raise sheep. There are sheep people and there are goat people, kind of like there are dog people and cat people. Sheep look up to you and goats look down on you. Sheep watch you open a gate and they're amazed by your miraculous powers of getting through a gate. And goats watch you open a gate and think, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Whatever, no problem. Let me get through that gate. Now, I totally love sheep. I loved having sheep. And wool is my favorite for spinning and knitting. But my neighbors have a couple of sheep, and I can just carry the wool from the neighbor's sheep over here. So that's a lot easier than feeding a sheep all winter long. So anyhow, I don't keep sheep anymore. But enough about sheep. I want to tell you about goats. Because way back in 2012, I had a housemate named Mirka who desperately wanted goats. However, she was in the country on a student visa, so I knew when her nine months were up that I would eventually wind up taking care of the goats. You know how kids say, oh, you know, let's get a puppy, please, please, can I have a puppy? And the parent knows who will really end up feeding and cleaning up after that dog uh, for the next 15 years. So that's pretty much what happened. Mirka took awesome care of the goats when she was here. She just did everything, and then goat milk appeared in the fridge, and I got to drink it. So when Mirka left, I had to take care of the goats myself. And fortunately, they're Nigerian dwarf goats. They're very small. They're originally a meat breed from Africa, you know, because they're kind of a convenient serving size goat where you don't have to butcher a huge animal and then refrigerate a whole bunch of it. You can just eat goats as you need them. Um, so originally meat goats, however, with a few generations of selecting them for giving more milk, and all of a sudden these goats give a pretty reasonable amount of milk with a high fat content. Like It's not a lot of milk, but it's very fatty, and I'm all about fat. These animals will take blackberry brambles and leaves and overgrown zucchini and turn all that into high-fat milk. So, yes, please, sign me up. I think that's pretty awesome. Um, so small goats are easy to collect. At uh, one point I had about 11 goats, but that is too many to milk by hand. I don't have a milking machine. I just milk them all by squeezing. And milking, milking you know, five or six-plus goats... I felt like I was getting carpal tunnel syndrome or some kind of repetitive stress. And so was my milking buddy T-Bone, who was living at the farm at the time. And he and I shared the milking duties, and we both felt like that was too many goats. So now I just have three, and they're pretty easy. And all three were born in 2015. Now, the American Dairy Goat Association, with whom my goats are registered, they have a recommended tattoo letter for each year. That's the tattoo that you give that goat to show that it was born in that year. And in 2015, the letter was F. So all my goats born that year, I give them names starting with F, just to kind of make it extra fun to choose goat names. So that's why we have Figgy Pudding, 
Freya, and Fat Pumpkin. Each of these goats has given birth several times over the past years, and in the next few years, I'll keep a few of their daughters to be herd replacements. My goats, um, I expect them to have a 10, 12 or so year working lifespan here. And goats are mammals like us. They need to give birth in order to produce milk. And after giving birth, a goat will produce milk for, I don't know, anywhere from six months to multiple years. My Nigerians tend to give milk for a good, you know, six, eight months. And Figgy will give milk for multiple years. But the trick with that is the law of supply and demand. I have to keep milking regularly if I want milk. Whenever that udder gets full and tight, like full of milk, it triggers a hormonal pathway that says, make less milk. You know, the kids aren't drinking at all. On the other hand, if I empty that udder, if I keep it emptied, you know, and I'm not letting it fill up and get tight, that sends a pathway that says, you know, make make more milk. The kids are hungry. They're drinking it all. So come on out to the barn with me for evening milking. And I'll just open the gate. Here they come. Come on, goaty goaties, milking time. And they're jumping up onto the stands. And I just clip their little head gates around their necks so that they can move their heads up and down, but they can't pull their heads out of the gate. All right, figgy pudding. Except figgy pudding, she kind of does the march to the beat of her own drummer thing, which is pretty typical for a La Mancha goat. That's her breed. She's a La Mancha. They tend to be endearingly quirky. Plus, I've been milking her since March 2019, and it's September 2020 now, so we've had a long time of milking. So I just wiped off Freya's udder. Put the little bucket underneath her. Now goats only have two teeth. So that makes it a little easy. I happen to have two hands, fortunately. So I just squeeze each side. And I try and do it, you know, it's it's gentle but firm. And I've got to get the milk out of there. It's like this. It's like the pressure of really wringing out a dishcloth um, with one hand. So it's a fair amount of pressure, but I don't want to pull and I don't want to climb my way up her udder and squeeze any of the glands inside. I'm just getting the little baggy teeth that hangs down and fills up with milk. And you can hear the milk frothing in the pail. And the Nigerian gorg goats are small. They're maybe 40 pounds. Like, they're smaller than a Labrador retriever kind of feeling. So, it's not a lot of milk, but it's a fair amount of milk for their size. It's likely that pumpkin produces a little bit less. But she has a great udder and fantastic orifices, so I can squeeze out a lot of milk at once. Like, these are just things that I had not thought about before I became this intimately involved with mammary glands. And done.
Well, except for washing the, <laughs> except for washing the milk pail. So it's pretty fast. Half gallon of milk in, in about 15 minutes of work. It's pretty good. Knock the foam out of the funnel and then put it in the cat bowl. I have nearly a half gallon of warm, fresh, exquisite goat milk. And I'll head into the kitchen and put it in a tub of cool water. I have just a pot of cool water in the fridge. I'm going to chill this milk down to 50 degrees within the next hour. So whatever I need to do to make that happen. Inside. What does goat milk taste like? Well, most pasteurized stuff you can buy at the store is pretty much only good to feed the chickens. Our cats won't even drink it. As time goes by, especially with heated milk that's been pasteurized, it really gets a stale goaty flavor. Fresh goat milk from a healthy animal is sweet and delicious. At one point, when I was milking five goats, including one that belonged to a neighbor, we had a blind milk tasting. Everyone tasted anonymous samples to see if they could name that goat and taste the differences in between goats. And T-Bone named every single one accurately. He'd like take a sip of milk. Oh yeah, you know, this one's Bunny. Okay, you know, this one's Clara. And he said they taste just like their personalities. <laughs> he knew those goats really well. And the goats want to be milked, typically, and they want to be milked by someone familiar. Even multi-thousand goat dairies in France, like the big goat cheese dairies, divide the herd into smaller groups that a few people can take care of. So the same goats are with the same people regularly. When visitors come to the farm and ask if they can milk, I just have to say no, no way because it takes at least two weeks of twice-a-day milking to learn how to milk and feel competent with it. And those are very stressful two weeks for the goats and the humans. Oh, I have had a really tough time learning how to milk goats. Um, I have literally cried over spilled milk. And after a barn meltdown one day, I stomped into the house with the dirty pail that the goats had kicked over and I had tears streaming down my face. And I wailed to a housemate of mine like, well, I, just, I, I want to be peaceful with my goats. Like, I believe peace in the Middle East is possible. So why do I get so furious at these innocent goats? And my housemate, who grew up in Israel, pondered this a moment and, and said, well, there are a lot of goats in the Middle East. You know, maybe that is our problem. But milking has gotten much more peaceful over the years. It helps to have happy goats I raised, especially the ones who were born here. They belong to this place. They are made out of this place. And I kind of belong to the goats. Some of these goats heard my voice in utero. They heard my milking songs as I was milking and feeding, taking care of their moms. So we really know each other. Right here in this barn in 2015, my goat bunny gave birth to twins. But at first I didn't know it was going to be twins. She gave birth to Freya right away. Adorable little doling. Oh my gosh, super cute. And then bunny strained for another 20 minutes and another half an hour, another 45 minutes and a couple of hours later, she still hadn't, hadn't given birth to another kid, but it looked like she needed to. And this was the first time I'd had a goat birth 
that, you know, kind of caused problems or didn't seem to be going quite right. And I didn't know what to do. But finally, I did something I had only read about in the books. I scrubbed up my hand. I held Bunny against the wall of the barn. Sorry, Bunny. I'm going in. And I just reached in to a goat uterus. I could feel the legs of another baby kid in there. I was like, oh my gosh, there's another goat. But there's also this weird lump with holes in it. Like, what? what is that? And I... I'd never felt anything like it before, of course, and I just, I knew it wasn't good policy to pull random stuff out of a uterus, like that's really not what I'm supposed to be doing in there, but I went ahead and I just pulled it out, and then I gasped in horror in my hand, it barely fit in the palm of my hand, was a dead baby goat, like one that had been dead for months, and the holes I had been feeling, those were its empty eye sockets. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so creepy. Bunny just turned around and started licking it like, mama goats don't judge. <laughs> That's your baby. But I had to get that other baby out. So I reached back in and I adjusted the legs. And maybe with that dead kid out of the way, I could get the back legs out. And I brought out another little kid, breech presentation. So with the back legs first. And then, oh my gosh, her face was blue, her little tongue was sticking out, her eyes were glazed. I'm like, oh no, she didn't get enough oxygen, like something happened to this baby goat. I saw it was a little girl though, so I thought that she needed to live. I was going to do what I could to save this baby. I didn't have anything to pull fluid out of her lungs except mouth-to-snout resuscitation. So I just put my mouth right on that little baby goat face and slurped fluid out of her lungs and spat it out. I was like, oh my gosh, baby goats taste delicious. No wonder the mama goats lick them (laughs) when they're born. Like they taste incredible. All that amniotic fluid is like sweet and salty and just amazing. So I helped lick the baby goat dry. I rubbed her off with a towel and I was like, Liv, come on, you can do this, Liv. And (laughs) She coughed and flushed pink as she got her first breath of air. And I carried her into the house. I warmed her up and I slept with her on my chest in the living room that night with her sister right next to me. And that was great. I just kind of moved into being the goat mama with those two. And I still have those goats today, Freya and Pumpkin. I think I'm just so attached to Pumpkin because of all that. Yeah, she's looking at me now. Come on, goaty, goaty. What a good goatee. And I raised them in the house until they got big enough to jump on the couch. And then I decided I should move them outside. Hi, pumpkin. Yeah, I'm talking about you. You're famous. What do you think, goatee goatee? So pumpkin and Freya have been my fabulous goats. I'm really attached to pumpkin, and I keep Freya mostly because she and pumpkin are bonded. They hang out together. They lie together in the straw. You know, they're really comfortable together. And goats do best when they're raised with friends that they can keep for life. (laughs) Maybe humans too. Good goaties. Milking is a labor of love. I am out at the barn twice a day, every day, for 18 months or more unless I can find competent goat milkers to help me out and 
do some of the milking. And I am lactose intolerant. So it's a lot of work and commitment for a food that I can't even digest properly. But I like to remember, wow, if trucks ever don't make it to the grocery stores, you know, if our supply chains crumble any further, my goats are hard at work eating the sunshine that falls right here on our land and converting it into incredible creamy goat cheese. And before you ask me for any, it's totally illegal for me to sell or give away, but I can help you if you want to have your own goats. I definitely find it reassuring to look at the wheels of cheese on my shelf or eat some creamy Greek yogurt on a bowl of fresh-picked raspberries. And I know that I'm eating love. I'm eating the love of a landscape, the love of these bizarre little animals for me and me to them. And I have to give a shout-out to my beloved Daniel, who has spent the growing season picking a daily fresh salad of branches and fresh-cut grass for the ladies. The goats have never looked better. They're eating fresh greens every day of the growing season, and that makes their milk incredible. There's just so much vitality in it. And Daniel keeps our trees and hedges pruned in the process. Yeah, I've cared for so many different trees that I used to kind of ignore and walk under or by without paying attention to them. And it's fun, just like humans, figuring out what the goats like to eat the best. And they tell me what they like to eat the best by eating it quickly or finish, <laughs> you know, cleaning their plate, so to speak. And I have pretty good sense of their top five foods and their top ten foods and what they can tolerate and then also what is poisonous for them I also know before I became the goat feeder mm -hmm. it's all fun I mean I guess I'm a little hesitant at when it's like eight at night and raining and I haven't quite fed them yet and I'm tired from a long day and I still got to go out and cut two wheelbarrows full of goat food but that's when I run to the kale patch and I <laughs> I cut what would be $200 worth of kale at our local co-op, and I feed the goats kale. <laughs> well, goats are a miracle because who else can turn uh, maple leaves that we can't eat into creamy, delicious goat cheese? That's miraculous. Check us out at hawthornfarm.org, where we offer community events, homestead consulting, and classes, including beginner and advanced goat keeping. Come hug a goat and get connected. Join me next time with other favorite farm stories. It's just, it, it's almost black how deeply purple it is. And then the edges of the leaves are red with like a hint of green. It's really amazing how these plants look just like living paintings. I'm going to pick a ripe ear that looks ready. The silks are all dry.